Hello, and welcome back to another episode of Recommendations for My Otaku Spouse, or Otafu Susume. I'm Wesley. And I'm Jen. So let's get started. Now, I say welcome back, but it has been a little while since our last episode. You know, I'm not entirely sure how long it's been. Just a little while since our last episode. (laughs) I guess if you're listening to these episodes now, then it probably wasn't that long. No, But if you've been waiting, (laughs) then it's probably been a little while. Just a bit. Not that anyone would actually wait for this. They might. Self-confidence. Who's? <laughs> Who's self-confidence? Yaruki Mama, dare. Ore ware no. Nayo. Rude. Anyway, we are back to talk about a somewhat recent film. Is it somewhat recent? I, I don't I don't have any sense last, okay, of is, time anymore. We're recording this in early 2023, very early 2023, and it was late 2022. So I think that's somewhat recent. Okay. Right? Okay. Does that not count? I'll us? take your word for it. Anyway, we are here to talk about Bullet Train. Barretto Train. Maria Beetle. <laughs> Maria Beetle. It is, as I said, a 2022 dark comedy action film, I think is the best way to describe it. Yeah, I think that's a good description. Set almost entirely, barring flashbacks, on the Bullet Train. Hence Ooh. the title. On, on something portrayed to be the bullet train. Yes, on something to portrayed to be the bullet train. <laughs> yes. <laughs> on the bullet train of the J- Japanese, of J- Japan. Of in Japan. The world, <laughs> in, the, in the fictional world of the film. Yes. Yes. Yes, those, those are facts. Those are facts. And I think I was more excited to see this based off an initial trailer in earlier 2022 than you were. Yes, definitely. And then I think it was actually my mother yes. saying, oh, it's actually pretty fun that convinced you to give it a shot. Yeah, so I guess we can... Because you trust her more than me. Oh, yes, 100%. <laughs> so we can credit this Rude. recommendation to her and not you. Yes. But I guess she can't be on the podcast today, so by proxy, you are the one that recommended this. Yes. But it was really her. Rude. <laughs> so... The basic premise of Bullet Train is that a strange assortment of people all find themselves on the same train and realize that why they're there and what they're there to do is intertwined in ways unknowns to them until they discover it as the trip continues. I think that's a relatively spoiler-free way to say it. Yeah, but I think even... Yeah, I think it's hard to spoil this film. Oh, well, most of them are... Hitmen? Yes. Or mercenaries. Or mercenaries. Which kind of overlaps with one another. Occasionally. Yes. Yeah. They're people who are hired to do bad things. Or just things. Or just things. Like go into a bullet train and steal a suitcase. Yes. Which I guess is a bad thing. I would be annoyed if when I got off the train my suitcase wasn't there. That's true. But, and here's one of the things that I think will lead into what we're getting to, the actual bullet train does not have luggage areas. It does not. You carry your luggage with you, and if you have an oversized bag, you buy one of four chairs or one of five chairs that allows you to put it directly behind you. There was a lot of things about the actual layout of the train that were not exactly reflective of the real bullet train. Which I think is going to lead into our first bit. Because 
you, I think one of the reasons why you didn't want to see this initially based on the trailer is you have a hesitancy towards anything foreign made that depicts Japan. Correct. Yeah. Which this definitely qualified. Oh, yes, definitely. Hollywood's interpretation of Japan is questionable at best. Just Hollywood? Or do you think it other... Like, if Britain made a movie about Japan, do you think it would have been slightly more on the ball? No. But Britain doesn't really make movies. Britain doesn't really make movies. That's the problem. I suppose it's they all, do sometimes. It's all Hollywood. True. Bollywood is probably the next biggest India. ones, but it all, yeah, makes them all about India. China only makes films about China, and if Japan was involved, they'd be the bad guys. Presumably. Mm, so yeah, it's mostly Hollywood's depiction. I mean, Hollywood's depiction of other countries is always questionable. Like, I... Honestly, really don't like American movies that are set in the UK because they're always, or at least maybe I'm mostly thinking of the most recent one I saw, which was one of the one of the Minions films. That was years ago, and it was a Minions film. Yeah. Uh, what about Where um, what they're a- going through the UK and the police are chasing them while they're pouring tea in the in the police car okay, well, that sounds hilarious and they all have I'll, bad I'll, okay, teeth okay 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 and- <laughs> okay okay i want you to know that british tanks in world war ii had a hob so they could heat water to make tea in the tank but at least that would be historically accurate if it was in an american movie but it's not so that's a moot point <laughs> is it now yes okay. entirely moot okay no it's and I mean, I'm thinking if when I think of America's interpretation of Japan, the first thing that pops in my head is Wolverine, which was also set on the bullet train, which is also partially. set on the bullet train. And the bullet train this- goes through Akihabara from Tokyo to Nagasaki in like 30 minutes. Okay, and I, it's like, th- I do no think this bullet train was better than that bullet train. They were fighting on top of the bullet train. In both movies. In both movies, But I yes. do think this bullet train was slightly more realistic to the bullet train than the one in Wolverine. Oh, right. That's what you mean. Yes. Yes. No, I agree with you there. Kind of. Kind of. Actually, I think the- The route I, I think the is phys- more believable. I think the physical train itself Wait, is more realistic. not even the route. No, the route in this was pretty believable. Well, the I mean- The timing was took, a little weird. It took them eight hours to get from Tokyo to Kyoto yeah, when was, that trip was, takes two. It was an overnight train, which doesn't make sense. <laughs> The point is. The point is. Hollywood's interpretation <laughs> of Japan is techno- technologically advanced, really weird and quirky, and incredibly respectful. I think. And only one of those three is true. <laughs> we'll leave it up to our listeners to decide. <laughs> I think Hollywood is two views of Japan, and it's traditional and kawaii culture. And I think this movie. Had both of those in spades. Oh, yeah, true. And so, I mean, an entire car of the train was devoted to a totally original do not steal anime character. That did that not was look. Not Hello Kitty. Actually, it kind of looked like Hello Kitty crossed with the Olympic mascot. It did, yes. It felt a lot like the Olympic mascots, actually. Yeah. That and the techno- technologically advanced, like all this high tech stuff, and it's like, that's not actually. Was there a lot of high-tech? I don't remember any high-tech stuff. I don't know. Maybe it's just all the neon lights oh, that yeah. creates that image of, okay. like, high-tech. Japan is pretty neon. Mm, not really. Like, you go down to the tourist sections. Exactly. That's true. But, but even you go to the tourist sections for Japanese people. Like, you go to 
Totombori. There's signs everywhere in yeah, neon. But it's like not every like picture neon, you see. It's not like neon purple or neon blues like you normally see. Like it's That's it's true. like that neon cyberpunk image. I was about that, to say Blade Runner. Too. Yeah, Blade Runner. Yeah. Although brighter and happier as opposed to cyberpunk. Grim, grimy, and depressed. Yeah. <laughs> So that's how Hollywood normally does it. Yes. And this bullet train was like the epitome of every single stereotype of Japan rolled into one. With Fiji water. With Fuji water. Fiji. Fiji water. I keep thinking it's Fuji because Japan. Fuji water might actually exist. I mean, Fiji water does exist, but not in this country. Yes. Yes, that is also true. At least I've never seen it. (laughs) I mean, apparently the entire movie was filmed in LA. Nothing was filmed in Japan. Which I believe is that too. Honestly, impressive. Yeah. So here's one of the weird things, though, because you brought it up briefly, and I think it's a point to touch on. Okay, I, I get why they called it Bullet Train, because it's set on a bullet train, and that's a famous part of Japanese culture, right? Mm-hmm. But if you want it to be, but the train's too fancy. Yes. So if you want it to be an overnight trip in an incredibly fancy train, why not just pick one of the hyper-luxurious trains that run all over Japan? Because foreigners know what the bullet train is, and they don't know what the, what was it, the Ginga West. But there's, What there's, was that really fancy train you saw that yeah, one time? <laughs> yeah, there's the Ginga West that we saw recently. There's the Seven Stars Kyushu. There's like these hyper-fancy trains all over Japan. And that might actually do an overnight from Tokyo to Kyoto. Because the only thing they got right about the train was vaguely the outside shape of it, even though the color was wrong. And the stops. Mm-hmm. It actually stopped at the right place. Okay. It stopped in the right mid, order. The mid-travel stops were named the right thing. It did not end at the right place because no bullet train ends in Kyoto. It ends in Shinosaka. It ends in Nagoya. It doesn't end in Kyoto. <laughs> but again, I'm getting I'm getting into the weeds. Well, like getting into the weeds. Shashu. Um, so... But that, I guess, comes with marketing it to a foreign audience. Yes. This was not yes. made for a Japanese audience. Absolutely. Which is why even in Japan, it was called Bullet Train. Yes. When the Bullet Train itself in Japan is called Shinkansen. Yeah. And they wouldn't they wouldn't name it that because it's not a Shinkansen. It's Although they, they did name Last Train to Busan, to Busan Shinkansen. Shinkansen. But that's because it made a pun. It's true. But it's an interesting... It is interesting. Yeah, they've done it before, too. What was the other... I can't remember. There was another film that had a Japanese name that they... Or that was... Foreign-made Japanese. Yeah, and they brought it over and... Oh, uh, Ghost in the Shell. Ghost in the Shell, that was it. Yeah. I think. I'm pretty sure they did. I think it was Ghost in the Shell. It did the same thing, where they wanted to make sure that everyone in Japan knew this is not a Japanese production. So so you'd think that... From this introduction, I would have absolutely hated it. Yes. It's not Japanese. It's made by these foreigners. It's got... Gross. It's got this wide variety of cast. No, like, almost nobody in it is Japanese themselves. None of the train station a- train stations are accurate. Well, you wouldn't care the about that. The train itself is all over the place. You wouldn't care about that either. I'm the train guy between the two of us. You are the train guy, yes. But I, I still care <laughs> somewhat. <laughs> But despite that, I, so I was, the thing I was worried about was, I was really worried that if we were watching it, I'd be like, oh, well, that's not what it's really like, because I can't stop myself, <laughs> <laughs> as we can see from this 10-minute round already. Um, but honestly, I actually enjoyed it. 
Like once I knew, okay, it's not a Japanese film. It's America's interpretation of Japan. Yes. Whatever. Suspend my disbelief and just enjoy the movie. And it was a lot of fun. So the next time you see a Hollywood trailer for a movie set in Britain or a movie set in Japan, do you think you'd be more likely to give it a go? Mm, depends on go the trailer. <laughs> we'll go through this again. Let's see what your mom thinks. <laughs> oh, great, 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 great. Well, the reason I ask, partially, is because one of the other movies directed by this director was the Fast and the Furious spinoff, uh, Hobbs and Shaw. Oh, yeah, I want to watch that. Which is briefly in England. It's a fast. It's a modern Fast and the Furious movie, so it's actually globetrotting. Yeah, but it's got um, what's his face in. So, of course, it's going to be based in the UK briefly. Yes. Jason Statham. Jason, Jason Statham. Thank yeah. you. Which, in a roundabout way, ties me into my next point, also linking to the first one. Because Jason Statham is has become, you know, I don't want to pigeonhole him too much into his acting career, but he pigeonholed himself, so that's his own <laughs> fault. Strange move for a world-class diver to do. But I, I really want to say his breakout role to Americans would have been in the Guy Ritchie films. Yes. And yes. this movie really felt like a Guy Ritchie film. Yes, it did. Like the pacing, the humor style, the violence, and all of that. Only to find out it's not a Guy Ritchie film. Yes. We actually watched a couple of reviews from Japanese people afterwards to see, you know, what do Japanese people think of this movie? And they were like, oh, yeah, it was a lot of fun. It felt like a Guy Ritchie movie. Yeah. And they also seemed pretty chill with it. And they were like, yeah, there's a lot of this that just absolutely isn't true. Like, everything. <laughs> but it was silly. And it was action-filled and it was fun. But it, it is directed instead by David Leach, who, when you look at his film resume, also makes a lot of sense. Because he's done Atomic Blonde. He did The Fast and the Furious spinoff, like I said. He did Deadpool 2. Which instantly you're going, ah, yeah, this does also feel really familiar to that. But it's the Deadpool 2 one that really got me thinking because this movie, despite being based off of a Japanese novel, feels like a comic book mm. to me. And it feels like an American comic book really heavily. But it feels like, not to harp on the whole Wolverine aspect again. It feels more like a comic than Wolverine did. <laughs> oh, it does, yes. But it also, it it has a lot of those... Things that you see in Western comic books, again, about Japan, that you would yeah. see in a Japanese comic book about Japan. I think one of the ones that hit me most about that was the character Prince. Mm -hmm. The way Prince is portrayed on screen is very much the Western interpretation of the Japanese Lolita schoolgirl that you'd never see in a... Oh, kind of like in Kill Bill, you have Gogo. Yes. Who's like dressed up in that school outfit and she wields the... Mace. Thing. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. yeah. It's a, is it a mace or is it a sickle? The no, one on the chain? It's, it's like a bull with blades okay. on the chain. Yeah. <laughs> so it's not a mace. Or a sickle. <laughs> or a sickle. Yeah, that thing. That thing. <laughs> but so she, I would say, is very much more the Japanese style violent schoolgirl from a Japanese perspective. You know, when you compare it, when you like, if you were to make a range for violent schoolgirls from. School days. Battle Royale. Oh, yeah. Battle oh, Royale. School, school days. days. Whatever, yeah. you know. To King. Because King, to me, just how she's portrayed feels- you mean Prince? Prince, sorry. Feels, just feels so Western. There's nothing yeah. Japanese in that character. Which makes sense when you get the backstory in the movie. Because she's not. Because she's not. Japanese, yeah. Because, yeah. I mean, as you said earlier, almost no one in the film is Japanese. 
none of the main characters in the film are Japanese. I guess the son is a main character? The son slash father and the grandfather. Mm. And uh, the woman running the uh, food trolley. She's not she, portrayed. She's not portrayed as. She had blonde hair and her accent. You could tell she was. I'm just okay. No, okay. You're, you're nitpicking. I'm nitpicking. I'm nitpicking. No, I'm it, not nitpicking. It, it, it's another one of those ones where. Yeah. Okay. okay. She's not. Nobody looking like that would actually run a food trolley on a train because they'd never be hired because they look like that because Japan is Japan. And, then and that's not the, professional. The to nail have blonde that hair. sticks up gets hammered down. Yeah. Some parts but of Japanese. They were filming everything in America. Yeah. But they were filming everything in America. So, you know, they they hired who they hired. Yes. And actually, they had a good excuse for that. They said, oh, this one character hired a whole bunch of gangsters from all around the world, which explains why not every single gangster is Japanese. Yes. And it's like, that's okay. At least they addressed that in the context of the world, the setting. Yes. Which I think works out. Mm. Oh, one other nitpick about the train. <laughs> One more thing. <laughs> well, evidently, in the original story, I mean, I, sorry, this I'm immediately contradict myself by saying, "Oh, this feeds back into you have to sell it to foreigners." What do foreigners know? Foreigners know Tokyo. Foreigners know Kyoto. Foreigners know the bullet train. Bish bash bosh, you're there, right? Mm-hmm. And but in the original story, it's a Tohoku train that's going north out of Tokyo, ah, which would have been an overnight train. No, no even still, it wouldn't be. No, because I mean, it's bullet train. There's, bullet there's, there's, no, there's no overnight bullet train. No, you're right. Uh, there's no overnight train. In, okay, there are specially there are the special super expensive trains that you can get that are overnight trains because they're hotels on wheels. Because they're hotels on wheels, yeah. and you pay too much for them. No regular train is an overnight train because all the train lines in Japan shut down from one to five. So if you go out drinking late in Japan, remember, don't miss the last train, or you're paying too much for a cab. <laughs> Or just hanging out in a McDonald's till 5 a.m. That works too. That's probably the worst choice. But yeah. <laughs> so. I did. I think. Did. But that, that brings us to what you did like about it. Because yeah. I think for me, a lot of what I did like about it was kind of that manic energy. And it turned, it you know, it's, it's old. It was in Japan. But I liked how vibrant it was almost. Mm. Each character was instantly recognizable. And each location in the train is instantly recognizable. You know where you are in the train. You know who's there each time the scene shifts, which I thought, which I, I mean, in a movie like this, I think that's important. Yeah. Because you're juggling a lot of balls. You've got, oh, what do you got? You've got Ladybug. You've got Ladybug. Guy. You've got Tangerine and Lemon. You've got the son that they're protecting. You've got Prince, Prince. the father, the grandfather. Um, you've got the oh. anime character in the costume, you've got the wolf, and that's all on the train. Yeah. I think that's everyone on the train. Yeah. So that's nine, nine characters, characters that you're juggling. Yeah. And assuming this is a Shinkansen, you're talking about a 16-car train. Now, I don't think they ever go to all 16 cars, so I think we're lo- really looking at like five locations, maybe. The quiet car, the like the regular car, the anime car, the dining car, the bathroom, and then late in the movie... The uh, front of the train. The front, yeah, yeah. The conductor's car. So six locations, maybe. And then the various stations or whatever. But, you know, so it is important that you do make that obvious. Because if I woke up on a Shinkansen, well, okay, I'd know where I was because they pretty clearly label in each car which car you're in. 
But that's only if you know where to look, and that's probably not going to make the f- framing on a shot in every scene. Mm-hmm. So I guess it does explain why they decided to make each car wacky and out there, because to make it more distinguishable to the audience, which I didn't even think about until you just mentioned it. Yeah. And I mean, okay, even on a Shinkansen, occasionally you will get weird cars. Like, okay, mo- every Shinkansen is going to have the green cars. Mm-hmm. Which, which, are all the, which are like first class. Which is first class. And so that's pretty instantly recognizable because you've got bigger plusher seats and less seats per row. And on some trains, you get a kid's car. Really? Which is just kind of a little play area. Oh, I didn't know that. It's not fancy. but And it's only on certain lines, only at certain times, only on certain trains. And I think it might also be on the slower trains, so you're not going to find it on Hizomi. But that's fine, which is the fastest train. So there are occasionally things like that, just not like we saw in the movie. But that's what I liked about it. You were saying that despite your earlier hesitations going into it, you did end up liking it. Yeah. What kind of flipped the switch? What changed your mind? I think it was the cinematography. Okay. Actually, it was two things, the cinematography and the characters. Okay. So the cinematography was, I guess, kind of similar to the vibrancy of it, but also just the way they cut it and the way they interweaved the shots with the narrative. Like, there's a scene where two characters are arguing, and they flash back to the thing that they're arguing about, and they cut that into the argument so well. I think that was the point where I was like, oh, wait, no, I'm having a lot of fun with this. Mm, That was a really good scene. And those two characters are probably the ones I like the most, because, like you said, they were very unique. They had their own personalities and their own quirks, and you could tell exactly who they were like every single character stood out i mean there were like you said nine characters that you had to distinguish between so not just all the cars but all the characters and having them look very distinct and act very differently really helped to make them shine and i think it's what i enjoyed the most <laughs> well, i was about to ask who your favorite characters were but you already answered that yes and, and tangerine yeah i think i definitely got to agree with you just because the interplay between themselves and the interplay with Brad Pitt, the main character. Ladybug. Ladybug. Is just so much fun. But they still... Like I described earlier, the movie is a dark comedy. And you get that a lot, I think, specifically between with these two characters. Yeah. But despite that, when they need to, they still feel threatening. Mm-hmm. You know, there are some definite moments of tension directly caused by these characters and what they're doing but it's kind of they they all feel earned and built up Mm -hmm. to you know it's not something that just comes out of nowhere like they lay the groundwork for a lot of what happens early yeah and why the characters are doing what they're doing like every character has motivation every character has a reason for each of their actions which i think definitely helps with strong characters yeah they kind of remind me of um the two assassins in Umbrella Academy. Yes. Yes, definitely. Which had uh, that very manic... Hazel and something. Oh, Hazel and... Oh, no. <laughs> I'm terrible with those. No, they but they do feel a lot like those. Yeah. And in, in the interplay between them and just the, like you said, the danger, but also the comedy. Yeah. I feel like they're a little less wacky. Yeah. Which I think fits better for me because it's easier to take him seriously. Mm-hmm. 
you know, it's one of those things that... They don't get high on mushrooms halfway through. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever it was that they decided to take halfway through the TV series. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. But it's also... So, like, you... Mm. There's a bit when they introduce the wolf, which, to me... <laughs> Oh, so stupid. Um, early in the movie, no real spoiler here, Brad Pitt's ladybug's job is to just get on the train, find a suitcase, grab it, get off the train at the next station. Mm-hmm. And the movie's going along, and I'm sitting there thinking to myself, I'm like, the next station out of Tokyo is Shinagawa. You, I mean- That's like three minutes away. Yeah, you should grab that and get off the train in no time. How's he still on this train? And then the movie pops up and goes- now stopping at Shinagawa. And he, he grabs the suitcase and he goes to get off the train. And I was like, oh, oh, okay. That's actually kind of cool. I like that. And the door opens and there's a new character, the wolf, getting on. Um, played by Bad Bunny, to those who might know him, Latin music artist, one two-time wrestler for WWE, which is how I know him. Yeah, so I have I, no I, idea who so, he is. So I was very confused. <laughs> but... We've seen a few movies where professional wrestlers have like popped up that we weren't expecting, haven't we? He was in a professional. He was in a couple of professional wrestling matches. I don't know if I. Okay, fair enough. He was really good in them, actually. But I'm getting off the subject. <laughs> but yeah, there, it is weird how sometimes they just pop up. Um, but they do this huge extended flashback for him, like how he got to this point, what got him on the train, and it. It's not led into as naturally as the one for Lemon and Tangerine. Mm-hmm. I didn't feel. It just happens. You see him. He's clearly got beef with Ladybug, and now we're going to show you why. And it's really well done. But then he's removed from the story pretty quick. Like, for well, from that part of the story pretty quick. Yeah. They have this huge flashback. His part's done almost, and he's gone. And it's like, well, why'd they spend so much time on him beyond the fact that He's big money. He's big name. He's going to draw people in. You don't want him to feel cheated. Again, the commercial aspect of filmmaking. But then later, it's revealed that there's this whole extra bit in that flashback that explains a whole other character's backstory. And it just felt like when it happens, it's just kind of a, you know one of those big- You're like, oh. It's a big aha moment. And yeah. it feels really good. And it's like, so it, it does feel, the script feels really tight in this. There's not- there's not a lot of bits that I would go through and remove. There is one big bit I'd go in and remove, but not a lot of bits. So I really enjoyed the script in this. Mainly because it was all characters and dialogue, and that's my favorite part anyway. Well, not really, because there was a lot of action scenes. And it was definitely interesting seeing them do a lot of fight scenes on a very compact space, because there's not a lot of room to move on a Shinkansen, on a bullet train, even a fake bullet train that's three times larger than the regular bullet train. <laughs> True, and it's interesting to bring that up, because I usually find those to be the best fight scenes. Like, the best fight scene, to go off the rail really quick, sorry, pun not intended, uh, <laughs> in Shang-Chi was on the bus. That's true, yeah. And, you know, you always get kind of those kung fu action style things that are in those closed and closed spaces, and it's maybe because the filming is more difficult, but I also like they didn't use a lot of shaky cam for it. That's because the bullet train is smooth. Yeah. So, shush you. <laughs> what? <laughs> it is. Uh, 
that like was just going right past me like yeah it is oh wait a minute <laughs> uh, so we talked about what you liked what brought you back into the film despite your initial misgivings what didn't you like about the film I think once I got over the Americanness, no offense. It's pretty American. It's pretty American. Once I got over that, I it's, actually don't think there was anything I didn't like. Despite the fact that our two favorite characters are the British guys. Wait, they're not American. Well, shush you. <laughs> <laughs> At least I speak with a British accent. <laughs> if anyone gets that reference. Go on, Robin Hood. Sorry, I spoiled it. <laughs> oh, you spoiled it. <laughs> Can't take you anywhere. Um... No, I think, I th- I think, yeah, I think I think even despite the Americanness, once I put that aside, I, there wasn't really anything I didn't like about it. The main villain was kind of corny, mm. but again, American. And there's a bit. He's not American. He's Russian. He's Russian, yes, but I mean American-made movie. <laughs> and there's a bit where they have like a CG Japanese town that looks like it's from the Taisho period. And it's like, this is really weird. But well, it's te- again, America's... It's technically Kyoto, so it could be... I mean, it, no, it didn't look anything like Kyoto. But no, it, again, America's interpretation of what Japan is like. No, it did. It did. It felt really out of place. Not to mention it was CG, so it felt... It just looked... Because up to that point, I think they had a lot of practical effects. And then I, so I suddenly have this CG scene was like... I, I I know the scene jumped out. out, and I think the big CG scene did feel really weird. But I think after that scene, it's like actually on a soundstage. Yeah, and it it, it felt weird. That might just be the weave in us talking. Maybe it wasn't actual Japan. <laughs> but but how that scene concluded was hilarious. So right? here's a flip on that though, because and this is going to sound really bad, and I realize I'm comparing two different mediums. When Japan sets. Usually an anime abroad. Oh, yeah. But A, it's oftentimes very much that's not how it actually is. And they just put a bunch, they go out and they just put in a bunch of things that are to them every day, but they're everyday Japanese and wouldn't be every day yeah. in the foreign country. Yeah. But at the same time, they will often go out and just take a billion pictures and use those as your visual references. It depends. It really, really depends. It does, it does. But the projects that I do mean, it visually are better for it. Yes. Like, we absolutely hated What's-A-Face, Earwig, and the something-something-something. It was trash. Yeah, I can't even remember the title of the movie. Ah! But that was that movie was based in the UK, and you could tell they went out and did a lot of references. Yes. And that was that was the only good bit about the movie. <laughs> yes. Um, There's, like, this one scene when they're walking down a high street or something, and you're like, oh... You can almost tell what town that is. Earwig and the Witch. That was what it was called. Earwig and the Witch. See, because of the name, I keep thinking Hedwig and the Angry Inch, and that's an entirely different thing. Oh, very different. (laughs) Um, So, I mean, I rag on Japan, uh, uh, other way around. I rag on Hollywood and America being like, oh, this is our interpretation of Japan. But to be fair... Japan's interpretation of Western countries is also horribly wrong. No, but but I guess what my point is, for something like this, I guess if you just need the scene, just do it. But you don't even have to go somewhere. You can just go on to like... Google Images. 
I don't know. Or just Google Kyoto town and there'll be loads of photos everywhere. Or you can go onto any photography forum and people are going to be like, I went to Japan and took this aesthetic shot. Hashtag aesthetics or whatever it is. And you're going to find a billion back alleys because I know this because a new camera came out recently. So I was looking at reviews (laughs) and they flew people out to Japan and every reviewer took a picture somewhere of the stop sign on the street. Just the words tomate written on the street. Like, I swear, four out of five of them all took that picture somewhere in town. I was like, I get it. It's writing on the ground, but what the fuck, guys? But <laughs> so you don't even have to go to Japan or go to these places. You can even just do these Google Street View nowadays. Yeah, it because it feels I like think- you could have made a more authentic neighborhood to yes. crash into. <laughs> One thing, though, is that all those. All those fancy camera, I'm going to take loads of really cool shots of Japan websites only have the really pretty aesthetic Western interpretation of Japan. Yes. Like if you go to Kyoto, 90% of Kyoto doesn't look like all the photos of Kyoto. That's because 90% of the pictures of Kyoto come from Gion. Yeah. Yeah. Up the hill. Yeah. (laughs) Um, But yeah, I don't know. It feels like with modern sensibilities, you could have just... But I made, mean, made an actual town. <laughs> they stopped in a couple of train stations, and the train stations they stopped at didn't look like any train station I've ever seen in Japan. But again, like we said, it was made in a studio in America. That was my favorite train station. <laughs> what one? The train station where they pick up the grandfather. That is like in the middle of a field, because and it's it foggy. Felt, because it felt like a real Japanese train station. Yeah, but not. But it felt like a real Japanese train station for one of those locals that you get on yes, exactly. that you don't actually have to buy a ticket for because there's going to be no one at the other end, and there's just a box saying "Please put in a hundred yen," and it runs twice a day or whatever. And I'm like, why would the bullet train be stopping here I at know. three in the morning? <laughs> oh, that was my favorite train station in the movie. Okay. <laughs> it, I mean, for all the wrong reasons, but it did make me laugh because I've been on those train stations. <laughs> Not for the bullet train, but I've been on those train. You've been on those train I stations have, yes. with me. Yeah. I mean, I took you out into the middle of nowhere. Yeah. Good times. And I survived. I'm surprised. Yeah. Ditto. <laughs> but that's the, the point I'm making is that you just have to think it's it's an American movie. It's their interpretation of Japan and just have to roll with it. But then again, I that is really hypocritical of me because I do not like Spy Family because Japan, the author's interpretation of a European city is wrong. Wrong, wrong, wrong. And she clearly, or he, whoa, they whoa, clearly whoa. didn't do their research. Whoa, are you telling really me there's not me. big yellow school buses in East Berlin? Or highways that are built <laughs> above the city with those very distinct Japanese barriers, no. <laughs> uh, we're getting off the subject. We are. That's a whole other podcast. So essentially, it's just the names are right, but mm. nothing else is. But it is still a fun action flick. Yes, 100%. I actually enjoyed it, which I'm surprised. Maybe because I had like no expectations. <laughs> Maybe I had negative expectations. Which can help sometimes. So next time we see a movie like this, a trailer for a movie like this. We'll get your mum's opinion. And then we'll watch it. Yes. Okay, perfect. There is one more thing I want to say is, um, so this is based on a Japanese novel. Yes, Maria Beetle. And the original novel is obviously, like you said, based on a different different Shinkansen, a different bullet train. Goes in a different direction. Run by a different company. Run by a different company. Like all of the, I think most of the characters were the same apart from the big bad. 
and they're all guys because I think they're all guys. But interesting enough, it it's the second book in a trilogy. Or I say trilogy, I mean, it's not like most Japanese novels are actually connected to each other. Three vaguely connected books by the same author all about Hitman. Yes. There we go. Yeah. And this, this is the second one. So it's interesting that this one's popular because I heard about Grasshopper, which is the first one, a lot in 2020, I want to say. Like, it was really, really popular. And then I heard about AX, which is the third book. But I didn't I didn't really hear that much about Mary Beetle until Bullet Train came out and then someone said, oh, this is based on this novel. And I'm like, wait, what? This doesn't look like, this doesn't look anything like the cover for the novel, at least. I haven't read them myself, but I need to. Are they translated? I believe they are now because of the movie. So our listeners could go out and read it if they wanted to. They could. Or at least they could read Mer- Mary Be- Beetle, which I think was translated to Bullet Train in English. Fair enough. I mean, again, it comes back to what I was critiquing but understanding about the marketing, right? Mm-hmm. You need to do what the audience is expecting in some way. Yeah. Unless it's all you need is kill because that just sounds ridiculous. Which I think they did end up calling it all you need is kill. Or maybe they only called it that in... I think they only called that in Japan. Japan. Oh, so the first book is was also translated into English and Grasshopper was actually called Three Assassins. Okay. And then the second book, Mario Beetle, was translated to Bullet Train. And apparently it also has a manga. Huh. Yeah. Well, hopefully they did better with the manga that for this than they did with the manga for Battle Royale. Because that was trash. The manga for Battle Royale? It was trash. Uh, all I remember was it was fucked up. It and was trash. I was scarred for life. <laughs> if I were to rank the versions of Battle Royale, it, it would be third. I think, honestly, the manga is better than the movies, but... Well, I don't remember the second movie, because it was also trash. <laughs> I'm just being judgy now, which means it's probably a good time to call it. <laughs> <laughs> I thought we've been judging this whole way through. We started with, <gasps> America's interpretation of Japan's crap, <laughs> and here's all the reasons why. That was yours. I find it silly. It makes me laugh. <laughs> I guess the Fair problem enough. comes in not to jump back into something but the problem for me is when it comes into that's the only exposure people have to the foreign countries yes. through a movie and so they begin to assume that the country actually is that way yes. and that's not just for Japan or Britain it can be for any of them and, Absolutely. and that's, that's again it's a worldwide thing you know Japan has their whole Paris syndrome for all the Japanese people who think Paris is so great and then they get there and find oh it's just another major city and it's got all those grungy bits too and then they go into shock because how can Paris actually not be so amazing and you, I mean, we have a derogatory term in English for people who do that for Japan, where we call them weebs. And so it's just enjoy it as the fun that it is, but don't make your entire viewpoint about a foreign culture based off of the Hollywood portrayal. Yeah. Or even the anime portrayal. I mean, if you sit there and watch a bunch of anime and go, this is just like real life in Japan. Aspects, yeah. But, but not no. all of it. So. Sorry, one last soapbox. <laughs> one more thing. <laughs> and now, the weather. Well, thank you for listening. <laughs> uh, thanks for listening to this episode, this comeback episode for Otofuzusume. We are going to be trying to hit a good schedule this year of at least once a month. At least, hopefully. Hopefully. Uh I hope you enjoy this one. 
Uh, if you saw the movie or if you now want to see the movie, let us know down in the comments, either below this episode on our website at www.annabrosecreative.com or on Twitter. Go ahead and tweet at us at Creative. If twi- Twitter is still around. If Twitter is still around, no guarantees. That's also kind of going off the rails. Hey! hey. <laughs> <laughs> I've been Wesley. And I was Jen. Thanks for listening. Bye! Bye.